Welcome to this week's podcast by Dwelling Place Church. As you listen to this sermon, it's our prayer that your faith would be strengthened and that you will grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's Pastor Tommy. If you have your Bibles with you this evening, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Daniel in chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. And you may be seated at this time. I'm just going to kind of give a little bit of a, a backstory, kind of leading up to it. Before we get into it, we're just going to pray together this evening. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your word, which strengthens us, which equips us, which by hearing it, faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We just pray, Lord, tonight that faith would be strengthened that, Lord, we would know what it is to live the Christian life, to be followers of Jesus, and that, Lord, our love for you may just grow ever more stronger. We just pray, Lord, that you would hide me behind the cross this evening, that you would receive all the praise, honor, and glory as we learn from your truth. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So, chapter 3, we'll beginning in verse 15 of the book of Daniel. This comes right after the story in chapter 2 in which Daniel interprets the dream King Nebuchadnezzar had. It's the first of two dreams that Daniel interprets. And Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, had this dream of this great image, this great statue, which has its head of gold, its chest and its arms made of silver, its belly and its thighs made of bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And in his dream, this, this huge mountain is cut without hands, and this mountain crashes into the feet of the statue. It, it crumbles down, and, and Daniel gives the interpretation saying that the, the head is going to be Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom, and, and every other body part is going to be the different materials. are going to be different kingdoms that establish themselves after that, but there's going to be a kingdom that is made without hands, that God is going to establish forever, which is Jesus in his ministry when he came to establish the kingdom of God on the earth. We find that in the beginning of chapter 3 that King Nebuchadnezzar, he kind of misses the whole point. He kind of sees this dream and he gets the interpretation, but then he goes and he makes this idol, this golden image that's 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. It feels like he really missed the point of what God was trying to tell him in his dream. He then commands everyone that whenever they strike up the band and the music starts playing, that they're going to bow down and worship this image. He, he literally thought of himself bigger than he actually was, and that's what pride does to us. And he, he wanted everyone to worship this, this image. And so all the people, all the nations, all the languages that were in the kingdom of Babylon, they were to bow down and worship this gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then some of the people of Babylon, the Chaldeans, they, they were Babylonians, they saw an opportunity to remove some select Jews from office that had um, been set up there that were appointed there in the last chapter by King Nebuchadnezzar. They wanted to get them out of there uh, because we find that Daniel petitioned the, the king to set up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, over the affairs of the province of Babylon. And Daniel sat in the gate of the king. They had been promoted to these positions as a result of Daniel interpreting the king's dream. And so the Chaldeans they accused the three Hebrew boys that they were not worshiping this idol. And we, we sometimes dramatize the story. We were actually watching some Veggie Tales with the Laura last night, and uh, the the 
creative rendition of the way they tell the story is that the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they work at a chocolate factory, and, and then there's this huge bunny that they're supposed to bow down to. It's really hilarious, but it's a wonderful take on the story. Uh, but we find in, in that rendition of it that, they're, that everyone else is bowing, and they're just standing there not bowing to the bunny. Um, but we find that in, in the story of the Bible that the king didn't know what was going on. King Nebuchadnezzar actually had people come to him to say, hey, look, when everyone else is bowing down, these three over here, they're not. And he's like, what? He didn't know this was going on. And so an accusation is brought before the king against these Jewish men that they didn't obey his command and they, they weren't worshiping or bowing down to this idol. And isn't that just like the devil to bring an accusation, to bring something against the people of God? Because he is the accuser of the brethren. Revelation 12.10 says that he is the one who accused them before our God day and night and that he was cast down. And an accusation we know is to be a charge or a claim that someone has done something illegal or someone has done something wrong. And in order for an accusation to take place, there has to be the accuser and the accused. And so we know that we are victorious today over the accuser of the brethren while he may stand day and night and say that we have sinned, we have fallen short of the glory of God, we have Jesus on the right hand of God advocating for us and saying that my blood covers them from all of their sin. We're grateful for that tonight, amen? Jesus gives us this hope also in Matthew 5:10. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And this is encouraging what Jesus says, but this doesn't come easy. It's not something easy to deal with. And I'm sure it was difficult for these Jewish boys to have these accusations set against them and for them to have to stand there and, and give an answer for it. Because they're, they're brought before this now furious Gentile king who didn't understand their customs, who didn't understand their traditions and, and their faith and what they believed in. He only sees men who are disobeying his command. And in verse 15, the king questions them and he says, If you bow down when the music plays, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God? who will deliver you from my hands. And the last thing he says leads us to, to understand that this is something so much bigger than just him being mad at the unwillingness of these three men to bow down. And that, that's just how the world is too. The world doesn't just want to, to get rid of Christians. The world wants to get rid of Christianity. That's what the devil wants to do. He doesn't want to just get rid of a few Christians. He wants to, to cut it at its root. He wants to disprove their God. He's really coming against their God. Who, who is this God that you're serving? Who is greater than the one I'm, I'm telling you to bow down to that you say you should obey him rather than me? And so King Nebuchadnezzar, he's saying, do you think your God is better? Do you think your God is better than everything I've said? I'm going to show you who's right and who's wrong. And then we get to verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They're not going to tell him a story. They're not going to try and, and sugarcoat anything. But if that is the case, oh, wait, let me go back. Let's see. No need to answer you in this matter. That If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, 
Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Three words that they said carry so much significance and powerful uh, power in them, and they're indicative of their trust and their faith in God. But if not, but if not, God is more than able to deliver these men. He's more than able to deliver them out of the king's hand. But if he chooses not to, we're still going to serve him, and we're not going to compromise, and we're not going to stop believing him and just bow down to your idol. I think it was Job who said, even though he slay me, still will I serve him. The goodness of God, serving him even if it means death, is better than bowing down to an idol if it means living. And so they held the line of what they believed. It was worth standing out from what everyone else was doing. It was worth not bowing down. It was worth disobeying the sinful command of a tyrannical king. It was even worth dying for. They believed they needed to stand. They didn't mince words. They didn't beat around the bush. They didn't try to make some excuse. It didn't matter that they had good jobs. They were, they were elevated in positions of authority. It didn't matter that their friends or their coworkers were bowing down. And I believe that compromise is far more likely to happen when we don't know where we stand. But they knew where they stood. And when we don't know where to draw the line, it's easy to, to draw the line anywhere. We live in a day and a time where lines are crossed, lines are moved, lines are challenged every day. And unless we hold the line, it will be moved for us by someone else. The line we hold at its foundation is the same line that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego held to. We worship God. We worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We worship Jehovah, Yahweh, his son Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And he has given us his word and contained in its pages are the words of life. The word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It guides us in how we are to live our lives. And contained in the word of God aren't just rules that are keeping us from having freedom, but they are boundaries that keep us from harm, that keep us from danger. And we know that the most dangerous thing that we can in encounter with in this life is sin, because sin is sin, whether it happens behind a closed door or whether it's commanded from the rooftops by the order of a king of the land. Because the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Romans 13 tells us we need to honor the king. We need to obey the authority of the land. We need to pray for those in our government. We need to respect those who are in authority. Paul wrote that while he was under Rome, which is probably one of the worst governments of all time. But we know that we serve a higher law than that of the land. And the dividing line that, that separates between man's law and God's law is sin. Man can make sin legal, but God will not. And like Peter said in Acts 5.24, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to get to the place of saying, we must obey God rather than men in this case. Going on to verse 19, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression of his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He got furious, and he spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, and their turbans, and their other garments. 
Oh, I missed the verse. I'm sorry. He commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind them, and he cast them into the burning fiery furnace. And these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. So they wanted to, the king wanted them to just thrust into that furnace just as fast as they could get them in there. They didn't want to take their clothes off or save them or anything. They just bound them up and just threw them in there as fast as they could. And the very ones who were throwing them into the fire died from the heat, from the flames, from the furnace being heated up so much. And those who come against God's people, God takes notice of. D.H. Lawrence wrote in his poem, Hands of God, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, but it is a much more fearful thing to fall out of them. And those falling into the furnace were falling into the hands of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were falling into the furnace, but they were also in the hand of God. Those throwing them in the furnace were outside of the furnace. They were in the safe place, but they were also outside of the hand of God. And church, it is a much safer place to be in the hands of God, even in a furnace, than to be outside of them in a place that is supposed to be safe. It is better to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and have his hand with you and guiding you than to shout peace and safety and then sudden destruction comes because God is nowhere near you. And even if God did not deliver them from the furnace, even if he didn't do it, they would have been safe in, safe in his arms because they would have been in glory. They would have been in heaven. Either way, we need to remember that. that on the surface, we, we say that you know, to live is to win and to die is to lose. And for the unbeliever, that is the truth. That this life is all the existence that they have. This life is, is it. But for the believer, we can have hope in Jesus. Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. We have that hope of not just, this life isn't just our existence. This life isn't just the, the, everything that we experience. But we have life and life much abundantly. We have life eternal through Jesus. And so we find that either way, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they win in this scenario. At first, it doesn't look that way, but it is true. They win either way because God would either deliver them and it was going to be a testimony to all of Babylon that God is real, that God is true, and that no matter what the king said, he was going to deliver his people. And even, but if not, even if God did not deliver them, they would still be in the hands of God and get their way into heaven. And so when you are in God's hands, you will have victory. You will have victory. We may not always know why things happen, but we can trust that we're, if we are in his hands, that we can trust his heart. We can trust that God has a plan and a purpose because we are in very capable hands. Moving on to verse 24. They throw them into the furnace, and then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered to the king, true, O king. I, I, that's just the most driest answer to me. True, O king. Yeah, that's what we did. 
But then <laughs> the king is astonished. The king says, look, he answered, I see four men loose. They're walking in the midst of the fire. They're not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. He's like, do you see what I'm seeing? I know you guys are dry and you're just saying true, O king, but look at what I'm looking at. And so then King Nebuchadnezzar ran near the mouth of the burning, fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. And the satraps and the administrators and the governors, all the important people who were there, the king's counselors, they gathered together and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Amen. This is what happens when God is with you. They didn't just stand in their own strength, but this is what happens when God is with you. You should look like you're all alone, and you should look like you're going through this by yourself, but what the enemy meant to destroy them with should have been the end of them. The fire should have took them out even before they fell into it, just like the guards who had died. But when you stand for God, God stands for you. And when you're standing with him, there's nothing that can come against you. There's another that is in the fire with you. There's another that stands with you closer than a brother who can see your every need, who sees your every situation and circumstance. He is standing with you. We don't walk through the fire alone. When the enemy tries to come in like a flood, we don't battle him alone, just like we were saying earlier that God is preparing us for the battle. We don't have to battle alone. We can have courage when we stand for him because he is standing right beside us. We don't have to rely on our own strength, but we can trust on his word. We can trust in his strength. He gives us the courage to stand. Hold the line of God's word. That's my my title for this evening. I don't know if I should put it up there or not, but hold the line of God's word. Hold on to the promises that he has given with given you. Because God was with them. But also, it's something I didn't even really realize because they just all kind of come together in a bundle. You know, you don't usually talk about Shadrach without Meshach or Abednego. They're kind of just one entity, but they had each other. There wasn't just one man that was thrown into the furnace. But they, they, they were like brothers. They were a community in and of themselves. They had Shadrach, who had Meshach, who had Abednego. They had each other. And when we're going through a fiery trial, when we're going through, through uh, the battle of the enemy, and he's trying to get us to compromise, he's trying to tempt us, he's trying to do something wrong, we can rely on each other, too, for strength to say, or, or even accountability to say, we're not going to bow down, but we're going to stand together, arm in arm, for the truth of God's word. And God will also stand with us. He is the fourth one in the fire. And so we find that those who, who came after the fact, those who maybe have missed them being thrown in the furnace, they, they wouldn't have been able to tell that they were in the furnace at all. They, did, they, they couldn't tell what they had gone through because they, they weren't singed, they weren't smoky, they weren't ashy, they didn't smell like fire, they didn't smell like smoke. Nothing was, was even on their clothes. Nothing about them could tell other people that they had been through the fire. Not a hair on their head was harmed. And for us today, I believe that God can make a way for us that people won't be able to even tell what we've been through because God's hand was over us. There are some people who experience life, and you can tell they've been through a few things. It shows on them. But with God, he can take us through even the most worst circumstance 
and people said, "How are you? How do you have so much peace right now? You should you should be drowning. You should not even you should be having a mental breakdown right now, but you're not." And it's because there's one standing with us through the fire. There's one who is keeping uh, the flames at bay that is right there with us. God can cause it not to even touch us. When we should be depressed, when we should be miserable, when we should be anxious, we can have the peace of God that overshadows us of all that. And others will know that it's not just God in you, but God is for you. There is a God because there's no way that you could have or should have gone through that the way you did. And we see that King Nebuchadnezzar realizes that in verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered, delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be in ash heap. Which he, he kind of got off in the flesh there a little bit. Um, <laughs> that was, that was a, they're like, oh, that, that wasn't the purpose of God doing all this. But, uh, but then the last, part he, the last part he gets it. He says, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. That part he got right. He got off in a little flesh there, but then he got back on track. There is no other God who can deliver like this. And we find that at the end of chapter 2, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they got promoted. And, in the, and then this part 2 of chapter 3, it says, Then the king promoted them again, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the province of Babylon. There is no God who can deliver like this. Ashton, if you'll come tonight. There is no God. Out there in the world, no other religion, no other deity that can do like our God can. And I believe today we, we face a, a bit of a different kind of furnace than, than what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced. We live in a society where we have the freedom of religion. Thank you, Jesus. We don't have to worry about being in, in a country where we could just be gunned down any moment for our faith. We don't have that threat of, of losing our lives if we don't worship an idol. But more and more, we are being threatened with losing other things if we don't conform to an ungodly agenda. We can be canceled. We can be uh, considered that we're not inclusive or that we have hate speech by not, well, by preaching the word of God. And living as a Christian, I mean, let alone preaching the gospel, it's, it's become thing, something that we have to know where we stand. We have to know what we stand and what is true in the word of God. And having done all that, having, having made ourselves assured of that, like it says in Ephesians 6, stand, stand. And my encouragement to the church tonight, to, to all of you here, is hold the line. We see the line that is drawn in the sand. We didn't draw it. Uh, the, the convictions I have, I, I got from the Word of God. That's what we can all grab from today is just what does the Word of God say? That's the bottom line. That, that is where the line is drawn. It's found in His Word. And it's up to us that when others compromise, we don't. That we can have the courage, not, not in what we can do, but we can have the courage that we are in the hand of God. We are in His grip. And that whether He delivers us from whatever we're going through or whether He chooses not to, 
And eventually, when we go to, to glory, whether through the rapture or whether the natural cause, that he will just lead us and guide us and be with us every step of the way. Because the gospel is worth letting people know about it. It's worth preaching. It's worth living. And no matter what our week looks like, no matter how bad it gets, the hottest fire, even one made seven times as hot as, as it normally is, it's, it's not enough to top our God. But hold on to faith. Hold on to what the truth of God's Word preaches. Hold on to your trust in God. I want to live and I want to, you to live also in just such a way that when situations arise that we can have the same faith and the same boldness because God is preparing us for battles but we don't, don't even know that we're going to fight yet. But I believe that God is going to encourage us in our faith that we can have the same boldness to say as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, our God can deliver us from this battle. Our God can deliver us from this problem. No matter what happens in the White House, no matter what happens with persecution or famine or darkness or sword or wars or rumors or wars or famines or earthquakes, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God and nothing can get us out of his grip. It's up to us whether we stay in his grip or we walk out ourselves. Hold the line. Hold the line, whatever may come.